What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. Our target for this edition is going to be X-Men Apocalypse, the ninth film in the X-Men series, if you count Deadpool, which makes me feel old as shit. (laughs) So bad. Uh, Before we get into talking about that, I need to introduce who's going to be talking tonight. If you don't know my voice by now, you haven't been checking out the channel as much. Go do that. But I'm your host, Tony Mango. Joining me on the panel tonight, I've got with me Sam Lassio. What's up, Sam? Hey, great to be back. So Sam and I and a couple other people went to see this opening night, which was two nights ago? Yep. Yeah. We're recording I saw this. it again last night, too. Oh, you saw it twice? Yeah. Yep. Now, we're going to have to uh, go back on that and see if anything changed on that. Uh, but before we get into that, too, I also want to remind everybody that there are going to be spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie yet, we're seeing it twice, like Sam. And you don't want to know what happens, you got to bookmark this, go watch the movie, and then come back later on. Or if you don't really care if it gets spoiled, then listen to it anyway. Everyone dies. Yeah, everybody dies and it's all a dream at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And then the dream dies. Some of those things actually do happen in this movie. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about our hits and our misses. We're going to keep this a little bit lighter than we usually do. We're not going to break down every single little aspect of the movie, but it is going to be more in-depth than my Minuteman review because there's more that we can get into than uh, what I can do in 60 seconds. But first impressions, what did you think about this, Sam? Because there were a lot of people online shitting on this movie and uh, from a wide variety of sources, too. Yeah, the sources that I tend to check out the most were saying, like, how disappointing the movie was, how the ending was terrible, how it didn't focus on anything the entire time. They didn't care for Apocalypse all that much. I have no idea where that was coming from because, yeah, this movie is not without its flaws. There were definitely problems with it, but I really liked it. I liked it just as much the second time, even knowing how the movie was going to go about. Like, I'm not sure why the critics are as critical on this movie. I think the only person that I had heard over the past couple of weeks or so that actually seemed to really like the movie was Robert Meyer Burnett. Mm-hmm. And since he has a connection to Brian Singer from working on different things, I always just kind of assumed that that was like, well, I can't say anything bad about my buddy's movie, kind of. Right, yeah. But, I mean, people were talking about this being like the second worst of the, the all the X-Men films or on par with X-Men Origins, and it was like, what? That's not even close. Like like you said, I mean, there are problems, and we are going to talk about both the hits and the misses, not just the hits, but the idea that this is anywhere near as bad as those two movies, The Last Stand and X-Men Origins, come on, man. Right. Uh, I haven't rewatched The Last Stand in God knows how long, but I rewatched uh, X-Men Origins a couple months ago to prepare for Deadpool to write up a Fanboys Fix-It. And if anybody wants to check that out, go to the website and find out what I think they could do to make that a better movie. But uh, I had seen Days of Future Past recently. We did the fan tracks for that, so that's another thing. Go back and check that, too. Uh, <laughs> cheap plugs. But, you know, X-Men Days of Future Past is what I consider to be the best out of the bunch. And X2 is probably, like, number two. But rewatching a couple of the other movies, too, like, I would put Apocalypse on par with the first X-Men movie, maybe First Class, too. Yeah. I mean, First Class, to me, was an excellent movie. I personally really enjoyed it. What I'm finding a lot of people doing is trying to compare this to Days of Future Past, which, for the original X-Men movies, it's like trying to compare it to X2. Mm-hmm. To me, X2 is my favorite of the originals, and that's like saying, oh, well, this movie wasn't as good as X2, therefore it wasn't that good, which I never understand when people do that. No. So I would put this on par with First Class. I would put it under Days of Future Past and X2, but I'd put it, for me, above the original X-Men, which I know that's special to a lot of people. But for me, that movie is starting to get a little dated. Oh, it's definitely dated. (laughs) There's parts in that movie that look pretty cheesy. Yeah, and I mean, this movie wasn't without cheese, but... Yeah. But I mean, like, when you look at certain movies, like you had said, the idea that if it's not as good as the best one, then it's crap. And it's like, well, that's not the case. Like, Terminator 2 is my favorite movie of all time. 
But just because I like Terminator 2 better than the first one doesn't mean I dislike the first one. That's right. still one of my favorite movies of all time. And I could argue in certain ways is better than Terminator 2, but, you know, I'm going to pop in T2 over the other stuff. And I really like First Class, and I really like Days of Future Past, and I like Apocalypse. And I think if I were to just throw a movie on, it probably out of those three would be Days of Future Past, and I like that the best. But compared to First Class in certain ways, I think X-Men Apocalypse might be more fun. Yeah. It's got some darker tone to it, but Days of Future Past was a lot darker. Mm -hmm. Which you would think, like, oh, okay, they have Apocalypse, so obviously this is dark. But, I mean, one part of the movie that, like, I... When I first saw it, I was like, oh, shit, I can't believe they actually did this. But then it, it resolved itself, whatever. But it was when Apocalypse made everybody release their nukes like i actually like when i saw that in the trailers i was like oh this is some sort of dream sequence right they're seeing like the destruction of the earth nah he actually releases the fucking nukes (laughs) but then like they just go straight up into space and like disappear so like some people i i heard were like a little let down with that but like okay he wants to get rid of all weapons because he's against weapons so that made sense to me, and I couldn't believe they actually did it. Were you thinking the same thing I was thinking at that point in the movie? You're like, all right, well, they can't drop. Right. Because then we're fucked. <laughs> and right, they can't. going to survive that. Yeah. Still I, like, got like another fucking hour and a half. And there's no way that they would just introduce another power where like he blocks the whole world and whatever like that. And I was just like, that's a an odd loose end, kind of. But, um,. I like the idea that it was like that imminent threat of just like, if these fall, the whole world's done. Right. But, but the... then he, but then he let them go straight up. And I, I loved when he's saying like, no more stones, no more sword. And you're thinking he's saying like, great. Now they have even greater weapons to destroy themselves. But then as they're going up, he just says no more superpowers. Mm. Like if the whole world is disarmed, everyone's on an even playing field. Right. And, of course, there's the little tie-in of superpowers and, you know. Right. I like the little wordplay. Which, you know what? Actually, going back, I haven't watched the animated series in a while, but I did check out, like, some clips here and there of different Apocalypse things just because it was, like, you know, set myself up ahead of time. Right. That line that he says about from the ashes of the world we'll build a better one is from the animated series. I don't know if it's in the comics, too, or not. Hmm. But it's, like slightly tweaked but it's like the same exact line for the most part and it just reminded me of how awesome there were a lot of 90s cartoon throws in this movie yeah i mean uh starting with x2 they the main theme that they've kept going along which i love that theme is as close to the x-men animated theme as you can get which i really hope in the next one since they said they're setting it in the 90s they just have like some like rock band or something like playing that on the guitars that'd be so awesome (laughs) Doesn't have to be major. It could be like uh, Spider-Man Two, when they just had that woman like on the fucking like violin singing the Spider-Man theme. You know what it should be? Dazzler's band. Dazzler's band was supposed to be hinted at in this movie. I had heard rumors that Taylor Swift was Dazzler in this. She she was. They uh when they when the mutants all go to the mall. We were actually supposed to see them in the mall, and they're in a record store, and they actually find one of her records. Huh. But they uh, they cut a lot of that out of the movie, which is a little disappointing. You didn't get as much, uh, not that her powers are even that cool, but you would have had more Jubilee. Yeah, you know what? Jubilee is going to be one of my misses. Yeah. Like, I... Not that she was a bad character. It was just a missed opportunity, since a lot of people who know the cartoon know her. Yeah, and she didn't do shit. Yeah. So, she didn't help out. She didn't do anything. One and like her, confused, one thing that confused me also is uh, in the scene when Quicksilver saves everybody. Apparently, um, Nate Gray was in the crowd. Really, the alternate hit, the alternate version of Cable, which I don't know how that fucking works. But if then maybe they were just like Easter egging it, and it wasn't actually him. But I don't know. Well, this timeline is so messed up. Like Jubilee should not be the same age as Cyclops. Right. And we're like Havoc is like 40 something years old and he's still Cyclops' brother. 
Yeah, that part I didn't understand. Like, the, for the most part, especially when they were flashing back to first-class clips, I could see the aging of Xavier and Magneto. Like, I couldn't really see it from Days of Future Past to now. I was like, this is supposed to be 10 years later, but they don't look all that different. But then when they do the clips from first class, you can actually look at it and be like, all right, I believe that this has been like a decade or two. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they age them up appropriately, except for Havoc. Havoc looks like he did from the first movie. He was probably like, what? I mean, he was in high school, so he was probably like, I'll give him 17. So Days of Future Past, he should have been 27. So this movie, he should be 37. And he has a 17-year-old brother, so he's right. 20 years older than his younger brother. Like, yeah, it's like, shouldn't he be that, his dad? <laughs> right. Like, at the, Or, like, I would have accepted, like, his uncle or something. Yeah, like, that's... But that's one of the issues that I have with this whole... This trilogy, the way you've got going on, is they like this idea of the decade gimmick a little bit too much. Right, because they're going into the 90s for the next movie, which 10-year jumps can be pretty extreme. Right. At the very least, you're going to say that it's a seven-year jump and it's 1990, because this is 1983, I think. Right. And seven years is going to be like, well, then he needs, like, you know, Cyclops and Gene and all them need to look seven years older. If they don't, then that's going to look like it's 1985 or something, you know? Right. And it's not – the problem is the actors that they used for the younger characters, they are young-looking. But if you try to do a 10-year jump, I'm not going to believe that these actors and actresses are 27. Right. But you could get away with, like, 22, 23, yeah, I something can see like that. that. It, you, age them, you don't even have to age them up all that much. You can just dress them a little differently, and I'd believe it. But, like, if you, if you do another 10-year jump, I'm not going to believe that Jean Grey is 27 in this other movie. Especially no, since if you do a 10-year jump, then if you're in 93, you're only seven years removed from the original X-Men. Like, uh, Alexandra Ship, who plays um, Storm in this, mm -hmm. trying to look up her age right now, she looks to me like she is 18. Yeah, she looks like she could be in like her very early 20s or late teens. She is apparently 24. She's just and... young-looking. Ty Sheridan is 19, who was uh, Cyclops. So, wow, she actually is older than him. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Jubilee, I think, shows off one of the big problems with this movie, which is just the ages are weird. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I understand if they wanted to just not have to obey the comics all that much and maybe tweak some of the minor character ages. But, like... They're basically having, like, Nightcrawler, Gene, Cyclops, like, all the exact same ages, which, uh, <laughs> I, I guess they were around the same age, but at this no, point in I'm their okay lives, with Nightcrawler being that age. Yeah, I just, at this point, if in the original X-Men they were, like, maybe a couple years off, that doesn't really make a big difference when you're in your 30s. A couple years off now, like, there's a difference between a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. It's mm -hmm. just the, the, the area that they are in their lives, a couple years can make a difference. So they basically had to make them exactly the same age. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we're going to have to see where it, it comes into play a little bit later on because we don't know where this series is going from now. Yeah. But, um, well, I mean, it looks like it's going right into the 90s cartoon. I mean, they're in the danger room at the end. They're fighting Sentinels. Oh, that's so cool. That's one of my biggest hits. Yeah. Their outfits, for those of you, obviously, if you've seen it because you're listening to this podcast, if you looked closely, I mean, Quicksilver's outfit wasn't really that close, but thank God it wasn't from the 90s cartoon. But, like, Nightcrawler's outfit was, like, that red V with like the black underneath mm -hmm. Cyclops had like a blue suit with the yellow on it like the 90s cartoon Storms was like a silvery color thrown back to the white Jeans was almost exact from the 90s cartoon so, yeah, that like, was they, that was so awesome oh yeah and then even Mystique hers had like the white down the front right so kind of like the dress so I mean they pretty much nailed it and then they had uh, Xavier finally wearing the blue suit yeah, even a little touch like that is something that's so good. Yeah, and it's and like then, it took you nine films to do it, but <laughs> yeah. And then even um Magneto, 
Like, the, they're leaving it. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Magneto's a good guy now, so now what? How's he going to be a villain again? No, nah, that, that's not how I interpreted the ending. It's just they still have that brotherly connection. They don't hate each other. But Magneto is going to do what he does, and Xavier is going to do what he does. And if that forces them to butt heads, they're going to butt heads. But at the end, they still care about one another. Mm. It would have so, been weird if Magneto would have just joined the X-Men at the end. Yeah, that would have been too strange. I wouldn't have liked that. So the fact that he left, and, and he even said, like, what are you going to do when they come for your children? Like, he's still that Magneto we know from the original series. Like, he's still pessimistic. He doesn't trust humans. But he respects Xavier enough that he's not going to force him to do it his way, but Xavier's also not going to force him to do it his way. Which, I was always more on Magneto's side. What about you? I was always more on Xavier's side because they both wanted mutants to be protected, but Xavier always wanted it with cooperation, like humans and mutants living amongst each other. Magneto's always been more about mutants being above humans that they're superior they should be taking their rightful place above humans they shouldn't be afraid of them the humans should be the, the ones that are afraid oh they totally which should I'm... be our mutant overlords i bow down to <laughs> <laughs> which i mean the original uh inspiration for them was uh martin luther king and malcolm x so, right i mean they both wanted the same thing but they went about it differently so like I see both their sides, but I kind of always favored uh, Xavier. Xavier is in the end, he's the good guy. But I always kind of went like Magneto's got a point. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that—that's the thing. Like the greatest villain is the one that you can see their point. Mm-hmm. Like, Plus, when you he... bring in an, a villain like Apocalypse, where it's like, okay, as bad as a guy as Magneto can be. The end of the day, he goes, "Yeah, Apocalypse, fuck that guy." <laughs> right. Even though he joins him initially, which one of the greatest lines in this movie is when Apocalypse sees Magneto attack him, and he says, "You betray me," and he says, "No, I betrayed them." Mm-hmm. That's a great line in this movie. I but did I- like that the idea that he kind of like saw the error of his ways at the end, and it wasn't a, like we've had the twist before where. In X2, he goes along with them, but then he fucks them over. In X3, it's like, well, we need self-preservation, and I'm the bad guy. In First Class, I'm going to go along with you, and then I'm going to fuck you over. In Days of Future Past, I'm going to go along with you, and then I'm going to fuck you over. This one was like, I'm going to go the opposite, and then join you. Right. Which, a lot of people did not like this movie for the ending fight. But I realized that a lot of people have Age of Apocalypse stuck in their head. Yeah. I've, I haven't I have read the comic. I've looked into it, like, what happens in the story. And the biggest thing I'm seeing from comic book fans who hate the end fight, there was supposed to be, if they stuck to the comics, a huge Apocalypse versus Magneto battle. Like, hmm. blow for blow, like a huge brawl between the two. And that's like, I, I'm not missing that, you know? Right, I didn't know about it. Like, I only found out about that after I saw it the first time. So I get it if you're, like, you're on the edge of your seat and you're waiting for Magneto to, like, fuck him up. But when I wasn't anticipating it, I didn't miss it. One of my hits, actually, out of this whole thing was, if you're going to kill off Apocalypse, the only way you could do it is Jean. Oh, yeah, when she taps into the Phoenix Force. Mm-hmm. That was great. And then, like, I know a lot of people... Uh, when I saw it the second time, I noticed this. Uh, there were, like, some younger people, not, like, too young, but maybe, like, freshman in college kind of age. They were sitting next to me in the theater, and when Gene, like, releases it, and you see, like, the shape of the bird for the phoenix, one guy was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so, like, a lot of people, even though, like, for X-Men fans, we know, oh, well, that's phoenix. And if you've seen the movies, you might remember in X3, they kind of dabbled with her being Dark Phoenix. A lot of fans might not remember that. Mm-hmm. So this was new to them. So there, I would not be surprised if the next movie could be Dark Phoenix. 
It could be. I mean, we could do something. They did tease uh, Mr. Sinister at the end, which is another hit for me. Yeah, the end he's credit like, scene, the Essex Corporation. One of the only people that they haven't done yet that it's like, you gotta do Sinister at some point. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, of all the... Basically, the only mutants that I can think... I mean, obviously, more diehard X-Men fans than me will know more. But to me, the only X-Men villains I can think of that they haven't done are Scarlet Witch, which I don't think we're ever going to see her, um, Mr. Sinister, and Onslaught. Mm-hmm. And, Those like, some other things, too. Like, they're, you know, they haven't put Wendigo in a movie yet. Yeah. Where, I'm like, thinking, um, like, huge yeah. villains. Like, Scarlet Witch can fuck everybody up. Right. But, like, I, I was talking uh, to my dad, actually, about the movies, and I don't know that we're ever going to see Scarlet Witch. I know in Days of Future Past... You could kind of like see Quicksilver with like a little girl in like a princess dress, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if that was Scarlet Witch because I know they're supposed to be twins, which that part doesn't really bother me all that much if they're not twins. Like I kind of get it, but from the way they're making it sound, um, Magneto hooked up with Quicksilver's mom and then left before he was born. Well, the, so uh, if, if they're not twins, then I don't think that little girl is Magneto's kid. No, nah, she like isn't. He, right. So that she's not a mutant then. Or if for some reason the mom hooked up with another mutant. But then that would mean that if she is Scarlet Witch, then she's not Magneto's. Uh, what I think is because Marvel can use them and Fox can use them. I think Fox is just going to go with Quicksilver. And I think Marvel is going to go with Scarlet Witch. And I think that's why they killed off Quicksilver. Well, in the rogue cut of Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. there's a quick scene where that little girl is talking to her mom and she says, go bug your sister. So that's kind of like their their hand wave of Scarlet Witch does exist. She's just never shown. Uh, and, okay, so the little girl has a sister. And Yeah, and her sister is supposed to be Wanda. But uh, okay. but they just never show wondered, her for some reason. Probably because they did have some kind of like a you can get take Scarlet Witch and we'll take Quicksilver kind of a thing. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Because why would they kill off Quicksilver in the Marvel movies? Right. And keep Scarlet Witch, and then why would Fox keep Quicksilver and never show Scarlet Witch? I'm pretty sure there was some like backdoor deal they had where it's a little too coincidental. Right. And I mean. One theory I had when I saw Days of Future Past, because I, I figured that couldn't have been Scarlet Witch because they because they're twins, I thought maybe it was Polaris, which is the younger sister yeah, of the twins, but she's also Magneto's kid. I'm pretty sure that Quicksilver, if there is a Scarlet Witch, fine, but if there isn't, that Quicksilver is the only kid of Magneto. Well, Other that actually Corbin brings up it. something that I, I was kind of curious about. The whole story that we have on the side where uh, it's Magneto goes off on his own. He's got a kid now. He's uh, with Magda, which I believe Magda's in the comics. Is she? I I didn't remember. I just remember making a joke that his daughter controlled nature, so that made her squirrel girl. Okay, I'm I'm just looking it up right now. Magda Lencher, yeah, she is in the comics. Okay. And um, th- this was something that, like, there's parts that I liked and parts that I didn't like about this whole idea. I liked the storyline itself of Magneto goes off and he's got a family and uh, it's a whole thing like that. What I didn't like is some of the choices that they made. And again, if anybody knows, leave a comment below because I might be off about this. But I had thought that Magda was in the comics and that she was the birth mother of um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking maybe she's the birth mother of Polaris and that it was the little girl. And the little girl in the movie is named Nina and that's definitely not Polaris because Polaris is a... Uh, she has the same powers as Magneto. This girl controlled animals. Yeah, so that was like... I almost kind of wish that they would have gone with this this Magda woman and with Lorna Dane. Just like, because you can kind of kill off Polaris, and I wouldn't really give a shit. Like, you know. I mean, she's powerful in the comics, but like, yeah. But I mean, a girl who controls nature too also isn't that important. So. 
Yeah, and it's sort of like hit or miss kind of a thing. And I I didn't like the idea too that he was Henrik. Uh, what what was it like? Gertzky. Yeah, because I was thinking that they were going to go with Max Eisenhart. Yeah. And I've always liked that name better than Eric Lencher. Like, I, I don't know. It's just a personal well, preference wait, of mine. So I, if I remember correctly, Max Eisenhart is his real name, isn't it? Yeah. Eric Lencher is not his real name. And I don't know if he's ever used the, the Heinrich name in the comics before. I'm trying to look that up real quick, too. I'm not seeing anything, though. The Henrik one? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's something where maybe I'm missing out on something, I don't know. But I did really, really like the idea of him trying to be a family man and them screwing him over and him being just like, oh my god, now I'm going to have to kill people again. Like, every time I try to get away, you pull me back in. I love that story. A lot of people didn't like it. They said it felt rehashed. Like, oh, he loses his family again, or he's dragged into it again. But, like, that's the point of Magneto. It's like he does not trust humans and it's like well why doesn't he trust humans and if you try to say he's in his 90s and it's all because of like the concentration camp that might be a little like okay yeah that was a horrifying thing but like in 80 years he nothing ever happened to make him get over it but Mm -hmm. if you consistently have him like throughout his life like humans fearing him leading to death like you understand why he's so torn apart yeah, because every single time he tries to just live a normal life, humans get in the way. Right. And he's just like, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I'm just by myself with my and family. he saved someone's life. Yeah. That's what led to all this. He tried to save somebody with his powers. And, and... they still fucked him over. Right. So I love that. That was one of my biggest hits. Yeah. Uh, side note that uh, I wanted to mention too. One of my other favorite hits about the whole movie. We were talking about this earlier about the idea of comparing the different movies to each other. I love that little quip at the end where they see Return of the Jedi. And, and the uh, third one's always the worst. Yeah. Oh, the third one's always the worst. The second one's better because it was okay with doing a dark ending, and it was like that was a nice little nod. Yeah. Uh, going back to Quicksilver though, I actually am going to say one of my biggest uh, misses of the movie is the Quicksilver scene, and I'm going to go against really? the grain. I think here. Yeah, I really liked it. What I didn't like about it is it felt forced. Like, they saw how good of a reaction the one got in Days of Future Past, and they're like, okay, well, we need to do that again. We need to give him a different song that goes along with it that's kind of quirky, which I love the song Sweet Dreams, but that didn't fit that as much as Time in a Bottle. So that was a little bit weird to me. And then it kind of seemed like normal sequel problems of, like, Sequels, like, with comedies tend to run into this issue a lot where they do the same gag, but they just insert more jokes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really like the idea of, like, well, then you know, now he's saving this dog and the dog's eating pizza. It's like, I wasn't laughing at that, you know? I mean, I was, but, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just some audiences are going to get a hit from that and some will mm-hmm. get a miss from that. I will fully admit that most likely I'm being a sourpuss when it comes to it. Like, yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah. But that, that was something that bugged me. It was like, oh, now, man. Now, what would be interesting is if now that Quicksilver is a member of the X-Men, is there going to be a third moment in the next movie? Because now you could say, well, now it's like tradition. Now they got to do it. Or mm-hmm. you could say, ah, eh, they've done it twice. They're not going to do it. But then are people going to anticipate it and be disappointed that there isn't one? I would assume if they're keeping this cast and they're doing that, they'll do another one. Okay. It might not be as big of a deal, and people might be pissed off about it or whatever, but there are parts I liked about that. I mean, it was just one of those things where I kind of felt like it was a sequel problem, but nowhere near as big of a problem as some of the other things, and I I didn't like, uh, just a random miss here, I didn't like how they maybe killed off Blob. Yeah, I saw that. Like, was he dead? I seemed like it. Because, I mean... Angel kind of put a scratch mark, like a little tally, into the ground, like he was killing them. And I mean, Angel did tell Nightcrawler, like, you have to fight or they'll kill us both. So I'm right. pretty sure it was a fight to the death. Yeah, so I don't like the idea if they just killed off Blob like that. And I didn't like Archangel either. Archangel was okay. If, uh, I don't know, are we going to get into the misses? Because if we get into the misses, then I have a huge fucking complaint. Yeah, throw one out there, because Archangel is a miss for me, Psylocke is a miss for me. Fucking Psylocke, oh my god. They show Apocalypse, like, 
Archangel's armor was amazing. Magneto's suit was so cool. Storm's outfit was great. And then a skimpy outfit for Psylocke. No armor like the rest of them. Like, okay, it was comic book accurate. Mm -hmm. Since when has the X-Men ever been comic book accurate? With the exception of the spinoff like Deadpool. When have the core X-Men films ever cared about the costumes looking right? They haven't. So why did you give Psylocke that skimpy little swimwear, basically, to be comic book <laughs> accurate when all the other ones get this badass armor that Apocalypse gives them? It made no sense. It, like, you, you couldn't even argue, oh, well, she needs it like that to fight. The rest of them were fighting pretty fucking well without mm-hmm. bathing suits on. So, like, that just didn't make any sense. The character was pointless. The, Olivia Munn's acting wasn't the best. And I've no. heard that there were more scenes of her in the movie, and they basically had to cut around it. Like, they basically had to cut her out of areas to try to make the movie better. See, uh, with the costume, I think that what they should have done here, and this is something that it would have pleased both sets of the audience in a situation where maybe, like, a 10-minute conversation would have led to this, if they would have had her maybe fight in that cage and she's wearing that skimpy outfit, you can kind of look at it as, like, the WWE divas where they're wearing skimpy outfits because that's part of the attraction to it. Like yeah, it's part of the gimmick. Yeah, like, you're you're watching these, like, good-looking women mud wrestle kind of a thing, like, which is condescending, but th- these people are jerks. I mean, they're f- making these mutants fight for, you know, their own amusement. Mm-hmm. If you had her do that, they would have showed off her power. She could have been in the skimpy outfit that was comic book accurate, and then Apocalypse could have given her an outfit that would have made sense when it was battle-ready, and right. people wouldn't have complained and said that she wasn't wearing the outfit at all, like... I mean, we got at the end of their Nightcrawlers wearing the Nightcrawler outfit, and people are like, great, you put him in the, that suit. You didn't need to have him do that the entire movie, just the same as you didn't need to have Psylocke. But man, Psylocke was just... Olivia Munn, I like her a lot, but she is not an actress. No. And that character was kind of a pointless character. And, and, and... there was no reason... And this is... A couple complaints are the cheese factor in this movie. There's a lot of moments where it's just, like, over the top. And one of them is when you think she's dead because she fell from, like, fucking, like, 2,000 feet in the air. And then she just gets up like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. She walks away, and as there's fire on the screen, she turns around and gives, like, this look of, I'll be back. And And it's like, I hope you're not. (laughs) Right. And it's like she's doing that with, like, flames on the screen, like, ooh, I'm evil and I will return to destroy you. And then she walks away. And they didn't do the same thing for Angel. Poor Angel. Oh, yeah, Angel's fucking dead. It's like like you just suck, dude. He's just, like, useless. (laughs) The dude that could fly away doesn't fly away. Right. And uh, another moment that was uh, really cheesy... As Like, literally, even the second time I saw it, like, it pulled me out of the movie for a second, is when Xavier and Apocalypse are having their mental battle, and Xavier's like, you're in my house now, and, like, punches him. <laughs> like, aw, did you really have to have that? Like, of all the things Xavier could have said, you had him be like, yeah, you're in my house now. Like, yeah, that didn't like... make any sense. It, it was not anything Xavier would have done. Oh, Especially not in 83. Right. Like, I can't picture Xavier being like, you want to step, bro? (laughs) I mean, they even had Quicksilver do that at one minute. Like, can't hear you, bro, or like... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did throw that out there. Yeah. I will say, to to get away from the misses a little bit, we'll come back to them, because there's another one I really want to talk about, but one of my uh, big hits of the movie was uh, just the characterization of the new people. I really liked Storm because she she pulled off being Storm. Nightcrawler was Nightcrawler. He's always been kind of a comedic character, so that was cool. And they kept the religious aspect, which was cool. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked uh, Ty Sheridan as Cyclops was cool because he's always been a dick. And he was a dick in this. Uh, Gene. I thought I was going to hate Sophie Turner as Gene. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. 
I mean, she wasn't like a standout for me, but she was not a problem at all. Yeah, I expected to hate her. Yeah. Because I really liked Famke Johnson, mm-hmm. and she just didn't seem like she was doing the same thing or whatever, but I liked her quite a bit. And another positive, I gotta say, that I was I had the wrong expectation. I thought this was going to be another Mystique movie. Very happy they, to see that wasn't the case. They made her a little too important. Yeah. For me, it was another myth. For, okay, I'll save that for the misses, but Mystique was a huge issue for me. Well, see, going on the Mystique thing, I, I, I didn't want Mystique to be one of the main characters, but I know that she needed to be, and I think that they used her in a decent way for this. Like, she's on not on the run, but she's kind of like doing like an underground railroad kind of a thing. I like that story. I don't like the what? idea of her being like the poster child of mutant pride. Because of Days of Future Past, yeah. Yeah, but like, if anything, that should be Xavier. Yeah. One problem I had, I think it was a wasted opportunity. It would have been good because I know Jennifer Lawrence doesn't like doing the character anymore. She's basically said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure the reason why Mystique wasn't blue in the movie wasn't because, oh, she's blending in more. She doesn't like being blue. No, nah, I'm pretty sure just Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to have to do the makeup. That's she, definitely it. And she complained, so they wrote it into the movie. Mm-hmm. That's 100% yeah. has to be it. It would have been perfect. It would have been the perfect ending. It wouldn't have mattered in the future movies. Apocalypse holding her by the throat, he should have killed her. I would have been okay with it. Storm could have seen that, and that would have turned Storm good because she idolized her. It would have made you hate Apocalypse. Yeah, Havoc died, but you needed to have like someone who's been in all the movies consistently. You needed a main character to die. Yeah. For there, there, there was no weight to the movie because everybody made it out. I would have been totally cool with them killing off Mystique. Yeah, and then having her like lead the team in the danger room at the end, like I, yeah, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. She could have died, and it would, and you could have just had Beast leading the team at the end. Which Beast kind of just got pushed aside in this movie. Yeah, he wasn't as important as he could have been. I did like him being, you know, the teacher and stuff, though. Like, that's Beast. Yeah. So, his was more like, it's a miss that we didn't get to see more, but I can understand why he didn't get to do more, because they were juggling way too much with this movie. Yeah, this problem, Days of Future Past had so many characters, but they did it in such a way that it didn't feel overstuffed. Everything felt like it had a purpose. Mm -hmm. This movie didn't at least i don't think had as many characters as days of future past but it, it felt might like they, yeah possibly i mean with all the students and stuff maybe but like yeah. it, it felt like they didn't know what to do with all the people yeah i mean there's little bits and pieces here that like if i watch it another time it might bug me it might not or whatever but another miss that i had was just if you're gonna introduce wolverine don't put him in the trailer. Oh, yeah, that completely ruined it. Because then you're expecting him, and then when you see, like... And the way that they hinted at him, it's like, even if you're not a giant comic fan, even if you're not even... Even if you've only seen a few of the X-Men movies, it's like, there's some kind of animal in there. Yeah, like, why not just change the line to be like, there's some kind of animal, possibly a A wolverine. wolverine. Right. And then you still would have had the characters like, who? Who is it? I don't know. Because then, like, they open it up and you see his feet. Like, it's some kind of reveal. Like, he walks out. Like, I don't know. I mean, you could hear him. Like, I knew it was Wolverine as soon as you could hear him sniffing yeah. from the inside, which Wolverine does that, like, all the time. So, like, there was no surprise there. But, like, there's a disconnect now in the movie. Like, a lot of people haven't really thought about this. At the end of Days of Future Past, when Stryker gets Wolverine, his eyes turn yellow, revealing its mystique. Right. And it's like they just left that up to... Yeah, what happened with that? Mm -hmm. So, like, did Stryker get him afterward? How did mystique lose him? Did... What? There's probably a deleted scene. Well, like, if they didn't do that, then you would have just been like, okay, they've been testing on him for 10 years. Yeah. Instead of, how did that happen? And one thing, I think it was a missed opportunity. 
a lot of people, if you just take this on face value, you see that Mystique is doing, like you said, the Underground Railroad thing. She's, like, saving mutants, stuff like that. One of the things that I think is interesting, obviously in the comics you know that Nightcrawler is her son. But one thing that's jumping out to me here is you had Azazel in first class. Mm-hmm. Audiences are already familiar with a demon-looking character with a tail that teleports. So obviously from first class to now, you know that this has to be Azazel's son. Yeah. He's not red. He's blue, which hints at Mystique being his mother. I almost wonder if the scene can be interpreted that, yeah, obviously she's had a past with that mutant guy who, like, gets passports for everybody. Caliban? Caliban, yeah. But I almost wonder if Mystique knew her son was in trouble and went to go save him specifically. That it wasn't just she happened to be there, but that they kidnapped him from the Munich circus and that she could have followed them to this place that could have worked yeah like it's not hinted at but i mean connecting the fact that you know azazel from first class you know his power set you know mystique went with him and magneto you know that she was broken up about the mutant autopsies from days of future past and azazel was one of them it's totally possible they hooked up before he died she gave birth and the timeline matches like, we don't know when Azazel died. We just know it was some time before Days of Future Past. But they even say in the movie that when Days of Future Past happened, these kids were probably like seven years old. Right. Which means Nightcrawler was only born three years after First Class. Which, I mean, that could happen. Like... Right. That totally could have happened. So, like, I, I like to interpret the scene because it's not stated as Mystique went to go save her son. But, like, she obviously doesn't, like, care about him. Want to tell him, him yeah. Much. But she doesn't care about him all that much, because she even tells uh, Caliban that, like, look, I saved his life. What he does with it is his own. Mm-hmm. Which Mystique was cold like that in the comics, too. Yeah, I mean, she had like, her issues with Rogue and, you know. Yeah. So I like that idea. I didn't like how they left open the Quicksilver Magneto thing, though. Yeah, he chickened out at the end, which I get it. They want to, like, make it a bigger deal maybe in the next movie, but there was no reason for him not to do it other than he got cold feet. Yeah. And he's got quick feet, not cold feet. Which doesn't make any sense, because I actually watched um, a spoilers podcast um, from Collider Video, and they mentioned something that, like, I didn't even think about. Storm goes to Quicksilver at the end, like, hey, I... I was told Magneto's your father. Like, why haven't you told him? So I was like, wait a minute. So Mystique's going around running her mouth. <laughs> that, like, she's just telling never. Like, literally, Storm was trying to kill them and is now joining them. That should be the last person Mystique has a conversation with, but is telling her, like, hey, by the way, uh, Magneto's Quicksilver's dad. It's just so, like, like. She's, like, telling everybody. But, so, like, Everybody but Magneto knows at this point, probably. It's like bathroom talk. Like, they're at the mirror <laughs> doing their makeup, and it's kind of like, so you hear about Quicksilver? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there like, were problems like the uh, with that kind of thing. Yeah. One of my biggest issues, and I hate to say this because it's it's just, just the case, but my biggest miss of the whole movie is Apocalypse. Really? I didn't like his voice. I didn't like his, like, he kind of, he didn't do anything. Like, he, his whole thing of the whole movie is he goes mutant to mutant to give himself the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. And then he throws a couple nukes up in the air and then sits around and then dies. Mm. Like, if he would have killed Mystique, like you were saying, that would have given him more of an impact if he would have maybe destroyed a town instead of Magneto fucking up Auschwitz, like if he would have directly done that stuff, 
then maybe I would have looked at it differently. But his big scene of showing off his power was basically killing a couple people in Egypt. And it's like anybody could have done that. Yeah, I took it as like, I mean, obviously he had like the big fight at the end, but I took them like why he didn't do much as to be part of his character. Like Apocalypse considers himself a god and god does not demean himself by doing his own work like he has the four horsemen because he doesn't consider him like anything worthy of his time basically so he has the horsemen basically to protect him when he's going from body to body but also like they do all the heavy lifting because that's beneath him so then when he actually does fight at the end, you have to remember he's having like a mental battle with Xavier all while doing this fight. That's I true. do admit that like there should have been more fighting going on with him, but like he's doing a mental battle, shielding himself from Magneto throwing stuff at him, Cyclops shooting him, Storm shooting at him. Like there wasn't really time for him to do much. So was he more a hit for you then? He was a hit for me. I, I admit that like I would have liked to have seen him fight more, but he was still a hit for me. Like I loved his character of basically like, because one of the things that shows his character the most is when he takes Magneto to Auschwitz and Magneto's like, you shouldn't have brought me here. And he says, why does this, are you afraid to be here? And the biggest line for me for who Apocalypse is, is when he's telling Magneto, like, I was there to spin the wheel of civilization. And when, like, the forests grew too much, I was there to set the blaze. And he says, where were you when my parents were taken from me? And he says, I was asleep. I was betrayed. I was not there for you, but I'm here for you now. That might seem like a minor line. But that tells me everything I need to know about Apocalypse. He literally feels that he's here for them, that he is going to wipe the world clean for his people to start new as rulers. And like I said, a god does not bring himself down to the level of man in combat. He's above them. He does not demean himself by throwing fistic cuffs and stuff like that. So <laughs> that like, would be great if he's just boxing in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I would have liked to have seen something more with Apocalypse. I would have liked to have seen, like, powers going and stuff like that. Something more than Magneto just, sent, like, floating there with his fists in the air as metal is just shooting down at him. Like, I would have liked to have seen more. But I liked what I saw. Fair enough. But I'm not so, going to say you're wrong for not liking it. Like, I totally get why you didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. I will say, though, the look is much better than what we were uh, thinking. <laughs> if you noticed, they said that when they gave the picture to, like, Entertainment Weekly or Variety or whoever ran the original picture where he was purple, and they were like, fans complained, and they changed it. I don't know that they did because if you look at the original picture like yes yeah, some things might be a little different but when he visits magneto in poland he opens up that portal it's a purple portal it's a purple portal and when he looks over at magneto before he says like come with me or i want to show you or whatever it is he said to him he is purple mm-hmm and he looks exactly like that image. Yeah, I think it's just a shading issue. Like, they pick the worst scene to show. Right. Of all the pictures they could have shown, yeah. they chose probably the worst one. I don't, I mean, I'm sure some things may have been changed in post. Like, maybe they decided to tweak this or that or something, whatever. I know they said they did alterations to his voice, which you didn't like his voice. I kind of liked it. Because Apocalypse, like, to me, shouldn't have just been talking like a normal person. Oh, no, he totally shouldn't have. My my issue was that they should have gone even further. Oh. Like, 
it sort of seemed like they toned down how much they wanted to manipulate it. And I wanted him to be like full blown kind of a thing, you know? Okay. Like, I figured if they did that, then there would be like a Bane issue where people would complain about his voice the entire time. Uh, now Bane was just a like, that was just what the fuck is Nolan thinking? <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted him to be more, more alien kind of. I actually, I did like that one thing where when he wanted Xavier to send a message to the whole planet and he says, like, even if I wanted to, I can, I don't have Cerebro. And he goes, you don't need a machine. When in the comics, Apocalypse's powers are amplified yeah. by alien technology. Very like, hypocritical. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know if his armor is alien, but like they showed you like when they, uh, in the very beginning of the movie, one of his horsemen from Egypt transferred the armor to the new body. So I don't know what that armor was supposed to be. If it was just armor, then fine. But, like, I don't know if that was the alien tech. I forget what alien species it was supposed to be. But Celestials. Okay. So they can't use them because they have them in the MCU. Right. But, so, I mean, I actually thought that they were going to build towards something with the Starjammers and uh, Corsair and the whole Shi'ar Empire and all that. I thought that's what they were going to do. I mean, I, I can see that. I don't really like Cosmic X-Men. Me, oh, true. I hate it. Yeah. I'm so glad that they're going Mr. Sinister instead. Yeah. Like, my least favorite part of the X-Men series is when they go against the mutant thing. Right. They like, should be fighting mutants, and they should... You know, they should get in the way when it comes to other people like Doctor Doom and whatnot. But the idea that they have, like like Juggernaut, for instance, mm-hmm. Juggernaut is so much better to me if he's a mutant instead of somebody who has this magical gem. Right. Fuck magic. Mm-hmm. You got mutants. Do the mutant thing, you know? like Exactly. Kind of like the idea of, like, when you have Spider-Man and he's got the genetically altered or radioactive, either one. I like genetically altered more. Yeah. Uh, the spider bite gives him his powers. And then you have like the Osborne slash, uh, all those other kind of people are all kind of like science based. When you throw Morbius in there, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. He should be in blade. Like, and you can yeah. do crossovers. I mean, you can have, I want really badly for the defenders to be fighting the vampires. I think that'd be kind of cool throw yeah. a blade in there, you know, kind of make it somewhere like that's why they have to fight people and not just the hand again. Yeah. But don't give me cosmic X-Men. Mm-hmm. If we want cosmic, we'll see. I mean, guardians. Fant- yeah. And I mean, if you want to keep it in the Fox universe, I would say the fantastic four are more cosmic than the X-Men. Yeah. So they mean, got the inhumans. They've got yeah, an Isles. Well, they can't use the inhumans, but that's true. But I mean, like, their powers didn't come from another dimension. They came from space. So, I mean, they've already kind of, like, messed, which, uh, fine, change the origin, do whatever you gotta do. But, like, Fantastic Four has a link to space. Especially with Silver Surfer and Galactus. Like, to me, the Fantastic Four being in space is fine. The X-Men in space, I don't usually care. I prefer their stories when it's like the, I don't wanna say more political, but when it's more like mutant human relations kind of thing. And yeah. then you have a mutant who's here to destroy it and the X-Men have to save the day. I prefer those kind of X-Men stories. So last thing I wanted to, to get on here before we go into our biggest hits, biggest misses. If they're going Mr. Sinister, how do you want this to, to play out? I want him to be... I, I don't say this as a power thing or an importance thing, but I want him to be the Thanos of X-Men. What I mean by that is I want him to have a hand in the X-Men films. I want him to have a hand in the Deadpool sequel. I want him to have a hand in the Gambit movie. And if they're going to do X-Force, I want him to have a hand in that. I basically, I want him to be the overall bad guy who has, like, may not be the ultimate threat every movie, but has his hand in what's going on in the movies. I, I'm kidding that, yeah. Because, I mean, I, he has... I can't think of a cast decision, though. That's one thing. Yeah. And are you going to make him white with the red eyes? Oh, they have to. Like, 
He's so badass looking when he's like that. Like, you can change his outfit. He doesn't need those, like, giant, like, I don't even know what they are. Like, it's almost like a cape, but it's like strings coming off his back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what those things are. They, they're weird as fuck looking. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I just Googled it real quick to see what other people's ideas are. There's some damn good casting ideas that are out there. Uh, Jason Isaac, who was uh, Malfoy in uh, Harry Potter. Huh. I like the idea of... Was that? Is he old enough for Mr. Sinister? Probably. There's uh, Rafe Fiennes. Voldemort from yeah. Harry Potter. A lot of people doing uh, Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's I can see Ray Fiennes. Luke Evans, if they want to go a little bit younger. Mm. He was in Dracula Untold. Yeah, but I, I didn't hear any good things about that. Uh, I didn't see that, but that's actually somebody I'm kind of hoping maybe is the next Bond if they don't go with Tom Hiddleston, but, you know, mm. we'll see. Uh some of these casting ideas are like, oh, you guys are overreaching a little bit. There's no way that Daniel Day-Lewis is going to play that no. But, like, He's... the problem with casting and stuff is, like, okay, good actor plus movie equals good role. Like, sure. Like, I mean, Jim Carrey's a great actor. Sure, if he's Mr. Sinister, he might do really well. Like, it, at that point, it's we have to wait and see who they want. And then we can kind of get an idea of like, okay, well, I'd probably have this person over this person. Right now, you could literally say like anybody, and you'd be like, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. so I'd have to just wait and see. But yeah, I don't know who they're gonna get. But like, Deadpool encounters him, uh, the X Men encounter him. Like, I want him to have a hand in like all of these movies. I don't even know if the Gambit movie's happening anymore, but if it is. He should have a role in that somehow. I don't have a clue what's happening with that one because it seems like they pushed that on the shelf. Yeah, kind of like. But uh, biggest hits, biggest misses. What do you got to say you would throw out there as your your top two? Like two hits, two misses, or biggest hit, biggest miss. Biggest hit, biggest miss. Just one okay. per piece. Biggest hit. Hmm. I'd have I'm... to say it's the continued Xavier. Uh, Magneto relationship. They just they, um, McAvoy and Fassbender have just been making these movies for me. Like the they playing their characters, they're just every time they're on screen, like they they draw you right into it. I really hope that uh, I know their contracts are up, so they would have to renegotiate a contract for future movies. I really hope they do. Because if they're not in the next X-Men movie, if they have to recast Magneto and Xavier, I will honestly be less enthusiastic about it. I can see that, yeah. The biggest miss to me... Oh, God. I mean, I didn't like Psylocke, but that's not the biggest. Um, I'd probably have to say the biggest miss for me is not killing Mystique. I really think that was... That was her moment, was the sacrifice of attacking Apocalypse and him killing her would have been a beautiful wrap up for her character. It would have set everybody against Apocalypse. I think it was a wasted opportunity. I think my biggest hit might be Psylocke. (laughs) Wait, what? Or did I say hit? I'm in miss. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) That just didn't work for me in a lot of different ways. And I like Psylocke's character, but I'm not one of those, like, super-duper, oh my god, Psylocke's the best type of people Remember either. Remember that so... really cheesy CGI when she's running on the roof? Oh god, Before that was terrible. Angel flies in and grabs her. It's like, that was garbage. Almost have, it was almost like a video game. Like, the, the, like, there are video games that have graphics that are really realistic, but that's all it looked. It's like, wow, that almost looks real with her you know running what? on the roof. You, you reminding me of that scene that did stand out to me as the one of the things that made me go, "What the fuck?" I'm gonna change it. My biggest miss is that that was terrible. That CGI was garbage <laughs> in that scene, and it's got Psylocke, and we got problems with Psylocke, and I didn't like Archangel either. So that's all three combined in one shot. And if I do have to throw in a, a hit other than like the actors and stuff, 
that very last like them about to fight in the danger room that was that's my biggest hit yeah just the idea that they finally put the danger room in there and it's like the real danger room not that weird shit that we saw in last stand yeah that was kind of ridiculous of like we're gonna throw wolverine do that the cannibal or is it cannibal special no i think it was drawing a blank when it comes to that um but storm they, threw him or something didn't she colossus colossus threw him yeah and he like killed off the uh the sentinel head and it was huge and all that and it was just like that was kind of a lame attempt at the danger room this was like let's go full danger room we've got the full costumes like you've got the different levels of the danger room with beast controlling the level you've got yeah. the, the same sentinels from days of future past is now like dummy robots for them to fight everybody so good. was in comic book accurate updated uniforms and then everybody got a moment like you see quicksilver put his glasses on nightcrawler kind of bares his teeth at them you see gene her eyes just kind of dotting back and forth like figuring out what to do cyclops has like goggles there and it glows red storm like with the lightning like everybody had a moment before it started to that was just pure x-men right then i Okay, this would have been cheesy, I admit, but it would have been all the sweeter if, because the, the last shot of the movie is the door closing with Xavier, and you just see his face as the door shuts. That was great, but if they had done that, and then you see like the X-Men there and the Sentinels walking towards them, and Mystique just goes, begin, and it cuts. If she, mm. I, like, I would, I would have hoped that somebody had done something like that, like begin, like, all right, go. And then it cuts. That would have been really cool. I admit it probably cheesy and they probably better. They didn't do it. I just personally would have thought that <laughs> she goes Avengers. <gasps> and then he, <laughs> <laughs> they cut the same thing like a cat. Yeah. But uh, overall, I mean, I got to say, I got to watch this again, maybe two more times or so before I can fully rank it where it would go. But I would say it's on par with the first X-Men and first class where it's just it's not fundamentally as a movie, just not as good as X2 and Days of Future Past. But it's still fun. It's still got a lot of good X-Men moments in there. Yeah. It is a good way. Like if they didn't do any more X-Men movies, I, I'd be good, you know. I mean, they're definitely going to do more X-Men oh, movies. They're going to try to do this as much as possible, but, like, Days of Future Past ended in a way where I would have been okay with them not doing any more. Yeah. This one, one thing ends really in a way I'm okay to... with them not doing any more either. Yeah. One thing I think they have to start establishing in these new movies they start doing, especially with them jumping into the 90s, I didn't even think about this because, to me, like, Days of Future Past, like, made perfect sense to me. Everything was the way it was. But it was the second time I saw it, my dad kind of turned to me after the movie was over and he's like, now wait a minute, they don't meet Nightcrawler until he's older, so how is Nightcrawler a member of the X-Men now? Because uh, that's not, the X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 uh, and, and so, yeah, no, The that. continuity issue. And it yeah. made me realize, like, yeah, you know what, us being huge comic book fans, we love the movies and stuff, we're really immersed in it. We forget that there are there are just casual moviegoers mm -hmm. who maybe didn't really make the connection with Days of Future Past that they've essentially soft rebooted it. Right. So they might need to like distance themselves even more from the old ones. They they didn't, and I, I understand a ten year jump. Like I don't just talk about things offhand that I did ten years ago, obviously. But, like, they never mentioned the time travel thing once in this movie. They never mentioned, like... Yeah. It, it was never brought up, which I get it. Like, you and I don't just have a conversation we had ten years ago like we had it yesterday. Like, I well, get remember that, that one like, thing we said ten years ago? <laughs> yeah. But, like, so I, like, I get it. But, like, first class to them was 20 years ago. And yet Xavier still has feelings for Moira and stuff like that. So, like, really, you, you never mention, like, hey, remember that time our future selves fucking helped us? <laughs> like, you think, like, okay, well, if the future selves... And this is one thing, like, I even thought afterward. In Days of Future Past, Wolverine wakes up in the future and talks to, like, future Xavier again with everything changed. 
the school is there. The, the X-Men are there. So I guess Apocalypse didn't win. Yeah. So, like, now we know the future is going to be good, so we know Xavier's not going to die. We know Cyclops and Jean aren't going to die. We know Storm doesn't die. Or Beast. Yeah, we know Beast doesn't die. We know Colossus is there with uh, Kitty. We see Rogue and Iceman, like... So that means that they could kill off Mystique. They can kill off Jubilee. They can kill off uh, Magneto. Magneto, yeah. But, like... They can damn sure kill off Psylocke. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, now all of those characters, continuity-wise, you can't kill them. Yeah. Because they're... And that's the problem, is that future is no longer the Days of Future Past, like, original X-Men future. That is now the future of this timeline. So, great. I guess I knew how Apocalypse was ending before I saw the movie, but... Yeah, that's true. Which, I guess, now we know that Mr. Sinister doesn't kill everybody, (laughs) Right. So, like, even though I understand they needed to show the future was saved, they should have left it ambiguous. Hmm. Because now it's like, well, all those characters were there, so. So bottom line, you're giving this a hit, right? I'm giving this an overall hit, yeah. I am as well. I think that the criticism of this movie, the people that, you know, talk about it being as bad as Origins and Last Stand. Those people are high. Give me a break. The people that say that it's as good as the other ones, I wouldn't say that either. So it's sort of like, this was a good entry, not like, the best way I think I can sum it up is this is a movie that I liked, but I didn't absolutely love. Yeah. And I think depending on a couple more viewings, I might go up. I might go down a little bit. Uh, this you know, to me see is, how it, yeah, this to me is my fourth favorite. I like, I'm, I don't know which one I love more, but just at the moment, I guess, cause I'm more immersed in the uh, new cast. I'd put days of future past first X two second, first class third, this movie fourth makes sense and worse is x-men origins oh yeah absolutely (laughs) but uh that's it then for this review point everybody make sure you leave your comments below and tell us what you thought of x-men apocalypse if you agree disagree what were your hits and misses of different things and uh you know all that other kind of jazz uh Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that thumbs up button as well. And keep following us on Facebook and Twitter and obviously fanboysanonymous.com for more information because we might have some more X-Men posts coming up as well. Not really quite 100% sure, so I don't want to plug things specifically. But if it ends up uh, popping up, then it pops up. And if not, then we'll just kind of see you guys when it comes up to the next movie, which I don't know exactly what that's going to be either because the next movie that really is on the like same kind of schedule as this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and... <laughs> I mean, I'll see it, but maybe not, like, opening night. Yeah, that's gonna be, like, a, a struggle a little bit. So, who knows? But, you know, subscribe to the channel. You always get updates if, you know, that ends up happening, but... Yep. Uh, anything you want to throw out there to promote, Sam? Uh, not really. I'm pretty good. All right, well, uh, thank you all for listening, everybody. This is episode 31 of The Review Point. I'm Tony Mango, and I'm a fanboy. See you next time, everybody. Geeks out.